Hello, everybody. This is Marguerite Cristillo with Real Estate Real World, and I'm excited to have a very special guest on our show today. Not only is he a pretty amazing man with all of the incredible stuff that he does, he might be a little bit crazy. I think a little bit crazy, <laughs> but uh, very excited. Maybe a little bit. Happens. <laughs> you also happen to be the neighbor of my marketing director, Chris Backwell, right? Yeah, that's right. We played high school baseball together back in the day. Great guy. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Josh, please go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, Marguerite. I love to do this kind of thing and connect with people and talk about what I'm passionate about, so thank you. Uh, my name is Josh Mathy. I am involved in many things and wear many hats like probably most of the entrepreneurs that you meet. Um, my wife and I own 110 Performance and Nutrition in Sacramento, California, so I'm a personal trainer and a fitness expert. I am a best-selling and award-winning author, which is still kind of surreal and fun to be able to say that. Um, yeah. And I'm an ultra-endurance athlete. I'm a life adventurer. Really, all of the things that I do are, are centered around helping people find and step into the strongest, truest versions of who they are. That's, that's what I'm passionate about. And I attack that from a variety of different angles. So that's so fascinating to me. And I read through your book, uh, In the Footsteps of Greatness, uh, One Man's Journey to Conquer His Demons and the Entire 212-Mile John Muir Trail Along the Way. And this is really a great book. I really enjoyed it. I just cannot even fathom doing anything that nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and people ask me that a lot um, because I – you know, I go around the country speaking about this stuff, and one of the first questions I get is, why would you possibly do something like that? And yeah. as you might expect, that's not an easy question to answer. The book tries to answer that. But yeah. I like to live on the edge of what I think I might be capable of or might not be capable of, and I like to inspire other people to live on that edge as well because that's kind of where the juice of life is. And as you found out reading my book, I failed twice before. Back in my early 20s, before I was an athlete, really. I mean, I played baseball, but I was not an endurance athlete. Before I had done any kind of work on my brain, because that's something I found out, is the ability to run 200 miles through the wilderness is all about what's happening between your ears. So before I had done any of that work, I just kind of thought, oh, it would be cool to go hike the John Muir Trail. And for those of you that don't know, the John Muir Trail runs from Yosemite Valley to the top of Mount Whitney. So that's a few hundred miles through some really rough and amazingly beautiful terrain. Uh, so the first time I tried this, I was out there for a couple of days. It got hard. It got rainy. It was uncomfortable. And I had no mental plan for what I was going to do. So I came up with an excuse and I quit. And then I did that again a year later. So now, fast forward over a decade, I've built a successful business. I have an awesome wife. I help people find their passion all day long. I love where my life's at, but I kind of still felt that trail whispering to me and smiling at me like, I don't know if you can do this. So I felt like I had something to prove a little bit, which is why I decided to run it. So I, I did it in just over six days by myself in the wilderness, and it was 
such a transformational, powerful experience. The person that I had to become in order to do that was so cool that I felt like I wanted to write about it, and I felt like I had a story to tell that might inspire other people. So you ask me, why would you do this? It's crazy. Maybe it is a little bit crazy, but my message to people is, even if something like that doesn't sound fun to you, that's cool. Find something else that maybe challenges you to step out of your own comfort zone. You know, it's interesting because one of my favorite quotes, I highlighted it uh, was on page 30 of the book. Well, it's not really a quote. It's just something you said. And it says, the willingness to be in action and do whatever it takes to get to where you want to go can make up for almost any shortcoming. And I loved that because I think that many people get to a place where they think, well, I can't do that because uh, I'm not smart enough or I'm not skinny enough or not fast enough or, you know, I know that I train a lot of real estate agents and one of the things that comes up many times is that they're afraid to get out there and do what they need to do because they're stuck in this place of, well, I'm not sure what to do yet. Right. You know, where you really, the first step is just go do it and expect to fail, right? Expect to screw up a time or two, expect to make mistakes and have problems. And that's where, that's where the learning really begins. Don't you agree? Amen. Amen. It is all part of the journey. I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but this stuff is really about the journey. And that's something I really internalized as I went through this process is it wasn't about standing on top of Mount Whitney and being successful, as fun as that was. It was really about who I had to become and the steps I had to take and every day along the way of getting there. And um, more than in my own life, looking around at the successful people I know, I am really clear that the very successful people I know, the only thing that is common among all of them is that they just keep moving. And they don't wait to get it right necessarily. They don't wait till they have a 100% plan. They don't wait till they have it all figured out. And they certainly don't worry about being perfect. That's something I talk with my clients about all the time. Perfect doesn't exist. That's a recipe for failure. And it's very exactly. common for highly successful people to want to do everything perfect. And when that button is pushed full throttle, that can help us be pretty successful because it makes us push. But if that is keeping us afraid of failing, then uh, that's not helping us. So I I think it's really important for anybody who's trying to be successful at any endeavor to remember perfect should not be a goal. I need to just jump in with both feet and figure it out as I go. So what do you think many times is the reason that it really – what really holds people back, I guess, is my question. And I, I know that's kind of a, a vague question, so to speak. But it seems that a lot of people will get to a certain point and they just – like I had it in my – I'll give you an example. So um, I have a good friend of mine who runs, not to the capacity you do. He does, you know, like 10Ks and half marathons and stuff. And I wanted to learn a little bit about running, so I started going out with him. I'm like, oh, I've never ran a 5K. I can't run a 5K. Like, I had it in my head that that just was not going to happen. And I didn't actually, (laughs) ironically, I never did the math to figure out how much a 5K really was. (laughs) And (laughs) so I didn't know that it was only three miles, right, which, you know, sounds like a lot when you don't exercise at all. 
So we went out one day to do this 5K, and we're with, you know, there's hundreds of people out there at this event. And I said, okay, my goal is just to, I just want to run the whole thing. I want to run it from beginning to end. And I actually accomplished it. And then afterwards, I figured out that that was actually three miles. And I had never in my life ran more than a mile. Congratulations. So, and the, the, the funny part about it was that they didn't have markers. So you didn't know that you were at one mile or two miles. Oh, so I just weird. like had it in my head. I had it in my head that I was going to at least run one mile. And then they actually had a marker, but it was at mile like 1.6. So I got all the way to 1.6 when I only had it in my head that it was a mile. So it's, you're right when you say it's completely in your head. Like if I didn't know where that marker was, I would have stopped long before. <laughs> yep. Yep. So your question is what holds people back? Yeah. What holds people back is a very a multifaceted issue. We could do a whole podcast on that. But I think there's a couple things that kind of hold true for everybody in every scenario, whether we're talking about fitness, whether we're talking about business. There are some truisms. One, I think, is lack of clear vision about why you're changing in the first place. Because really we're talking about change. We're talking about going exactly. from where you are now to where you want to be. So everybody has some kind of amorphous goal. I want to lose weight. That's a good example. A lot of people want to lose weight, but there's no real juice there. That doesn't really tell you anything other than, eh, I want to lose weight. And, and then when you have an amorphous goal like that, when you're presented with a buffet or a box of donuts, it's just too easy to fall back into old patterns because we're talking about actually changing brain wiring. And when you fall exactly. back into an old pattern like that, that doesn't mean you're weak. It just means you're human. So we need to employ some tools to help you fight that brain wiring. So I want to lose weight is an example of an amorphous goal. You could make that more specific. I want to lose 10 pounds. That's better. But what's really good is to find some emotional attachment to that goal. What about that 10 pounds? What about that weight loss excites you? Do you want to play on the ground with your grandkids? Do you want to fit into that sexy dress for your 20-year reunion? Whatever it is, it's got to ignite that fire so that you can push past that discomfort of changing. And it doesn't have to be uh, uncomfortable for that long. It's just, you know, a week or two of changing your habits. So I would say get really in touch with your vision or your goals, and that will help change your brain wiring. So that's one thing that holds people back is amorphous vision. The other thing that I think is more common and more insidious, because we don't really think about it or talk about it, is being afraid of our success. I talked about this in my book. I discovered on like day four on the trail that my brain was trying to talk me off the trail again and try to get me to quit again because I was afraid of what it actually would look like if I was successful. It was way more comfortable for me to be the person who almost gets things done or almost makes it toward the goal, you know, kind of that morally martyred kind kind of person, morally superior martyred kind of person. Uh, that was a comfortable place for me. And who I would yeah. have to be and how, how I'd have to change my view of myself to be successful, that was scary. Uh, it's actually uh, that quote that everybody associates with Nelson Mandela but is actually Marianne Williamson that's on the back of my book. It's our lightness, not our darkness, that most scares us. I think that's really true. If you ask somebody 
to envision a life where they have everything they've always wanted, as much money as they wanted, the job they wanted, the relationship they wanted, that's a big one. What would that be like if you actually sat with that? Most people will be terrified. My dad's a psychologist, and he uses this exercise with people. What would your life look like if you had everything you wanted? First of all, nobody has ever imagined that. And if they do stop to imagine it, it's terrifying. So I think those two things are what really hold people back. We, as human beings, homo sapiens, are very good at looking at danger, at looking at the bad stuff. You know, when we were hunting antelope on the plains, we had to be really good at noticing when we were being hunted as well. That's just how our brains are wired. We're not as good at looking at the good stuff. The great news is our brains are really adaptable, and if we spend time thinking about these things, our brains will get better at doing it, and it will have this positive feedback loop effect where the more you spend time thinking about the good stuff and the more time you spend visualizing the good stuff, and the more time you spend mentally in the future you want, the easier it will be to get there and to overcome your obstacles and to be that person you want to be. So those, those are kind of so, the two things I would say. And then I just wanted to mention a book really quick that talks about change and the science behind change. It's fascinating. Definitely worth a read. It's written by four or five Stanford psychologists that are experts in change. And it's called Change Anything. And it really breaks it down into a very easy, actionable, understandable scientific process on how to change anything in your life that you're not happy with. So it's interesting because what comes to mind for me when you were saying all that is a couple things. You know, my – and I I don't know who originally said it, but I always heard it from my brother. And he always said, you know, everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. They all want the results, right? But they don't want to do the work that it takes to get there until something so overwhelming pushes you in that direction or drives you to accomplish that goal. And, you know, the second part is when you talk about people not really being able to see the light or envision the light or figure out, I think a lot of it, too, comes from, you know, everything comes from your childhood. It's all your parents' fault, of course, but... (laughs) <laughs> the, thi- <laughs> the thing that comes to mind is not necessarily that you can't envision it, but that you you don't feel that you deserve it. Like something comes up from your childhood many times that that indicates that you don't deserve to have that. Like why are you, why would you get to have that when there's so many other people that might be more deserving? And that's all that chatter in your head. You know, I always say there ain't nothing good going on up in your head. It's all there designed to tell you why you shouldn't do it or can't do it or, you know, until you really train your brain, which is a daily experience. That's right. You, it, it is often negative, usually negative, unless you are mindful of the conversation you're having with yourself and then choose otherwise. And that's, that's something I'm really clear on, something I talk a lot with my clients about, is that everything is a choice. For many of us, life happens to us. And we don't realize that we have control over our entire reality. And if we fill our brains with positive things, we're going to get positive results and vice versa. So just the act of being mindful, and what I mean by mindful is the ability to step back and take a look at what's going on around you and the conversation you're having in your own brain and the food you're choosing to eat and the relationships you're choosing to make, and the daily decisions you're choosing to engage in. Those are all choices. And 
stepping back and realizing they're all choices and choosing better choices is the name of the game when it comes to living the life you want and being successful. And that is being talked about more and more now. But yes. uh, just a few years ago, that was like revolutionary stuff that, whoa, there's, we have a choice here. Life isn't just happening to us. And absolutely, my message to people is, yes, go out and live the life you want. And to your point Don't about you think it, self-worth, I'm absolutely. Sorry. I think that's a huge one. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, so don't you think that a, lo- a lot of people, and, uh, and we've all been there at different aspects of our life, are really living more unconsciously? You know, you're yes. just going through the motions. You're not really realizing that you have that ability. I mean, that's something that I've learned with age for sure, you know, is as I get older, I realize that every single action, is there's a choice behind it, and it's really up to me always what that choice is. But I think that's something yeah, I, we learn more. I mean, if you're lucky, you learn it young, but I, I would think that most people start to learn it with age and experience. I absolutely agree with you that it is a maturity, kind of a phase of maturity that hopefully people learn as they get older. I think some people never learn it, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. But that's definitely true that um, – it's it's something that our, our default setting is to just kind of go through the motions and live sub unconsciously, like you said. But the the good news is we can use that kind of automatic pilot setting for good as well. For instance, if we want to start saving money, you know, you've probably read books and heard experts talk about setting up an automatic saving account or setting up automatic payments for your bills. Right. That follows this principle. That's why it's so successful because sure it's uncomfortable to do it, but then once we do it, we forget about it and we go on automatic pilot again. So we can, knowing that about ourselves, we can use that for good. That's why it's only uncomfortable to change your eating habits if you really dive in for a couple weeks because then you've established a new normal. And barring some unforeseen circumstance, you'll just keep doing the new normal. So every time we notice that we're doing something like that that's holding us back, there's always a light side that we can engage to help us reach our goals. So I think that that's so fascinating because how – I mean, I've heard so many different numbers. Like what is – typically the amount of time it takes to change a habit or create a new normal. I've heard, you know, 28 days, 21 days. I mean, is there anything? I guess there's not really anything set in stone, but what is a normal period of time that it takes? Yeah, there's nothing set in stone. I've seen it be different for different people. Uh, 21 days is kind of the standard, but I think it can happen quicker than that if you are really clear about why you're doing it and really committed to changing, and engage the other things that can help you. Again, in this book, Change Anything, it talks about six pillars that are either holding you back or are helping you. And if you engage them, then you can change much faster and much more effectively. So things like you want to engage your willpower by being clear on what your goals are. You want to engage your social network by announcing your plans to the world and by asking your friends and your partner to support you. You want to engage your environment by 
whatever it is you're trying to change. If you're trying to watch less TV, move the TV out of the living room. If you're trying to eat better, move the donuts out of the house. Uh, so there's things like that. And if you pull all of those levers, it really makes changing easier. So my dad says I say that a lot. I guess I should catch myself on that. Um, <laughs> when we do our podcast, he says, I like to say, I like, I say oh a lot and you say so a lot. So I'm going to have to think about yeah. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit. So tell us a little bit about your podcast because I know you, I, I did listen to one of your episodes this morning on grief and I was pretty fascinated um, about that. I, I, people that know me know I had a son pass away when he was 10 years old. And, you know, so for, it it, has been about 15 years now since he passed away. But every, what I got most out of your podcast was that every single person really deals with grief differently. And I think the challenge is for many, especially when you're in that space, is to not judge how someone else grieves. And yeah. I know that um, for me, one of the things that came up is you forget sometimes that other people are grieving too. And, you know, when it's so impactful, like your child or a spouse or, you know, someone close to you, a brother or sister, is that you're in your own world grieving and you forget that other people are impacted by by that as well. So I was pretty fascinated. And if you guys have a chance, go and listen. We'll post the links to your um, blog that you guys are doing in your podcast. But um, go ahead and, and talk about that a bit and, and why you guys decided to do it and, and what your what your focus is on it. Okay, yeah. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. I'm, I'm really enjoying doing the podcast. First of all, the the grief podcast just kind of came up organically. My dad and I, my dad's a psychologist, and we work together a lot. And we run a Monday morning group called Fit Club where we do a little nutritional psychology and a little bit of exercise, and we help people change together in that way because it's all about what's going on, again, in between your ears. So it's it's very psychological. And we really enjoy it, and we see these great changes that we help people make, and it's so fun and cool. So we decided we wanted to do a podcast because every time we'd have a meeting, we'd think, man, we need to get this up somewhere where we can help more people. So we had not planned on doing a podcast about grief, but that morning, one of the members of Fit Club, his mom had just passed away. So we ended up talking about that the whole time. So And then we, and then we were scheduled to do our podcast right after that. And we thought, you know what? While this is present, let's just talk about grief. So really quickly, going kind of to what you said about your experience with grief, I think, and I'm not a grief expert. My dad kind of led the charge as a psychologist. I can just speak from my own kind of angle as a, as a fitness expert and a, a motivational person and, a, you know, all the other things I do and my own experience with grief. I think that the biggest thing to keep in mind is that it's a chaotic process. Basically what we're trying to do is, make sense of something that by its very nature is impossible to make sense of. So what you said, have patience with yourself, have patience with other people and realize they're grieving too, and that there is no right way to grieve. I think those are really the keys. But it was fascinating for me to talk to my dad, who's an expert at this stuff for an hour. I I thought, 
we came up with some really helpful things. So certainly if you've lost someone or something that is important to you, which probably describes all of us, I think that would be a, a, a 50 minutes worth your time. Um, so, and then to back it off, Brain Body Boys is our podcast, and we've been excited about doing this for a long time. We just started a couple weeks ago. So our first one is called was called The Big Four, and that was we just riffed for an hour about the four keys to living a healthy, happy life that we both talk to our clients about, interestingly, in different ways. Diet, exercise, sleep, and mindfulness. There's that mindfulness word again. Yeah. And I think that was I think that was a great so that was our first foray into podcasting and we just riffed for an hour. It's really fun because we've been doing this for so long separately. We have so much to say about these things. We could talk about this stuff for five hours. So we, we kinda have to look <laughs> at the clock and say, Oh, it's it's been an hour. But we are planning on doing many, many more variety of topics. We call ourselves the brain body boys because what we do is talk about the relationship between mind, body, spirit, and heart and how we can fire on all cylinders and live our healthiest, happiest versions of ourselves by paying attention to some real important things. So we focus on actionable strategies. We're not just talking. We're giving people actionable strategies that can make their lives better today. Well, that is so fascinating, and I I can tell you I've had a lot of fun with the podcast I've been doing, too. When I first started it, I didn't really have any rhyme or reason. I just said, I just want to talk to cool people. (laughs) And (laughs) so So the people that I've had, that means you're cool, Josh. The people I've had on the show have been from, like, all spectrums, not just, you know, real estate. And my prime audience, you know, is real estate agents and the real estate industry as a whole. But I, more than anything, like to see people have the most balanced life that they can have, you know. And, and part of that word balance is kind of a oxymoron, I think, because I've never met somebody ever that I think is 100% balanced. I think <laughs> that in life we kind of go through different times where different things are are priority, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And, you know, they're like, I, I look at it as a parent, and I, I don't know if you have children yet, but no, I don't. When, you have, when you have small children, your whole world really revolves around them, right? And everything you do is, you know, taking them places and doing stuff, and you, you're carrying all kinds of junk with you. And then as they get older and they need you less and less, your life shifts and your priorities shift and things change. For me right now, my children are 18 and, and 20, and and moving out, and so that's a whole nother shift in life where the priorities that were there, you know, just two years ago when they were going to school versus now when they're off on their own is, and in college is a whole different ball game. So I think people get caught up on that word balance, and I think that that word is kind of crap, excuse my language. <laughs> I would agree, and I would argue perhaps what we should try to do instead is to get okay in the discomfort of an unbalance. You know, I I would argue perhaps it's impossible to be a really devoted parent or to be a really great business owner and be quote unquote balanced in everything else we do. I think maybe it's yeah, okay to be unbalanced and to learn how to navigate that. Well, and and I think what what come to mind as you were saying that is that I even think about exercise when I look 
it's a picture of you on the front of the book. And you're standing at the top of this mountain. I think, wow, that looks pretty balanced for the most part. However, you're really not standing on very stable ground, <laughs> which, which means that at any minute things could shift pretty dramatically from there. And I, it just kind of came to mind as a picture of life when I'm looking at your book is it it feels so great in that moment because you made it there. But look at all of the unbalancing it took for you to get to that space. Very well said. And I would argue we're all different. I would argue that that's okay. Certainly for me, yes. that's okay. You know, when we first dove into this 10 years ago and decided to own, to own our own gym and to do all these things, my life hasn't been balanced since, but I've never been happier. I've never <laughs> felt more connected. Yeah. I've never felt more passion. Uh, and I'm okay with that. So yeah. maybe balance is a buzzword that we're talking about different things. But I don't I don't know that balance in the traditional sense of the word should be a goal and where you're, you know, spending two hours a day with your kids, two hours a day exercising and you know what I mean? Uh I don't I don't know. Yeah, well I think of that word balance in the same I think of that word balance in the same equation as you put the word perfect. It's like no one's yeah. ever perfect. And well I think said. that the word balance sometimes becomes this like nirvana that we all hope to get to and and kind of this place where we think, well, once we get there, yeah. life will be better. Or once we get that done, we'll be okay and not necessarily being okay with the imperfection or the unbalance like you expressed earlier. I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's easy to use that as an excuse to not do the things necessary to be successful in the areas that are important to you. It's very easy very to well come put. home and from a long day of work and not exercise in the name of staying, quote-unquote, balanced, or to not put that extra time in at night for the presentation the next day because you need to stay balanced and do whatever else you need to do. So I think <laughs> I it's really easy to use that as an excuse. I agree. Well, I know, Josh, that you are doing a ton of things, and you express that you're excited about a lot of the stuff you're doing. So tell us about some of the other projects and, and areas of your life that you're doing and what you'd like to, to express to our listeners. Great question. People almost never just let me talk like that. First of all, I always <laughs> forget to mention this, so I will mention it now. I am doing a variety of speaking about my book and about life around the country, and I have a couple... Sacramento, first of all, you can find all of the dates and places on my website, www.joshmathy.com, under speaking, I think, if you click on that. But I will be in Sacramento and Roseville coming up in July and August, and then I have some L.A. Oh, dates coming cool. up the first week of June. So I would love to meet anybody who's interested in hearing about the trail, but also hearing about goals and life. That is really my favorite thing to do is to go speak and to talk about what I'm passionate about and to meet other people who are passionate. So that's that's the first thing I wanted to say. Other things that I'm excited about, man, that's a loaded question. We have <laughs> a trail series that my sister is actually the race director of. It's so fun working with my family. So we have so part of our gym is this offshoot called 110 Trail Series. And we put on four. Next year we'll probably have another one, so five, but this year we're putting on four trail races in and around Sacramento. There's not a lot of options for Sacramento trail runners who don't want to drive a couple hours. 
So our goal was to provide a premier trail racing experience for Sacramento by Sacramento. We have uh, a woman's only race, so we're celebrating the power and grace of women at a race in Granite Bay on May 30th. It's a 5K, 10K, and half marathon. It's called the Dirty Diva. And then we have a couple other races later in the year, but I encourage you to check out our website, 110trailseries.com. And they're really fun. If you, if you, and we'll be, if you sure, to, we'll runner, be sure to post all these links on our site, too. Thank you. If you are a trail runner, you know how fun trail running is. If you have not tried trail running, even if you're not a runner, it is sublime. There's something about connecting with yourself in the natural world like that that just transcends anything else I've ever done. And everybody who does it feels that way. So I encourage you to really explore that. If, that, if what I just said tweaks you in any way, explore it. It's changed my life for, in so many positive ways. Whether you come to one of our races or do somebody else's or don't do a race and just go out on your own, trail running is awesome. Go do it. And well, then, definitely check in with one on May 30th. I might be able to make that happen. I'll go out there and pretend it's, uh, pretend it's only a mile when it's three miles. <laughs> Bring your lady friends. I will. I like the idea of a well. women's only race, too. So Men are welcome as well. We usually have one or two. Uh, but it is a women's race. And then the Sustainable so, Health Institute is something I'm really excited about as well. So Yeah, I want to hear more about that. So I work with my dad, like I said, doing a variety of things. And it's a brainchild of mine that I developed with him. It's been a couple-year process. And what I realized was I've been helping people change their lives from a nutritional and fitness perspective for years and years. And my dad's been helping people change their lives from an emotional, psychological perspective. And obviously there's some overlap there for years and years. And we're both really good at what we do really excited about it, employ some cutting-edge strategies. What if we were to combine our strengths and create a cutting-edge, never-really-been-seen-before weight loss program that helps people attack the issues that hold them back from living the lives they want to live? Because let's be really honest, anybody can lose weight. We have all lost weight before. I, I think I'm safe to say we have all lost weight successfully before. It is not hard to lose weight. There's a thousand programs to do it, and they all work a little bit. The hard part is keeping the weight off because losing weight does not necessarily change your habits. It doesn't change how you view yourself. It doesn't change the deep, dark things that keep you making the decisions that hold you back. So that's what we specialize in is helping people change deep, quantifiable, physical, lasting, sustainable change and helping them do that for good. That's amazing. And how long have you had, is this a new venture of yours? Is it something that's just getting started? Yes. So we're we're just launching. It's been a really long process. We didn't, we both have so much else going on. We didn't want to just, you know, package something together and, make it this is not about making money this is about helping mm-hmm. people the best we can so it's been a couple of years of sitting down and just how would we do this if money and time were no object how would we do this what's the best way we could do this so we've been designing it for a long time and we're really close to putting our first actual cohort together 
And is this a program where it's designed? Next... I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, is this a program designed for people who have a lot of weight to lose? Like This is mostly designed for people that have a lot of weight to lose, but the principles will be true for everybody. So our flagship program is called Live Lean, and it is a 30-week, I believe, program. We're still figuring out the exact details, but it's 30 weeks, I believe. And then they have access to group support for the rest of the year. So that's something that's really true about change is you need to have support for a long period of time. So it's basically supported for a year, and then they continue to they can continue to plug in after that. It has meal plans. It is medically supervised. There is weekly meetings, and there will be a psychology piece. There will be an exercise piece. There will be a medical piece. There will be a nutrition piece. There are a couple other programs that do some of this stuff. Kaiser's Weight Loss Program, and there's another program in Sacramento called Hearn Reed. I'm giving them publicity right now, but that's okay. They're good at what they do. We are going to take the good parts of what they do and make it even better by adding deep psychological work. And when I say that, I know that scares people. We've already encountered that a little bit. Like, oh, man, are you going to make me cry? Am I going to – you know what I mean? (laughs) A lot of people – get squeamish when we talk about psychology. And they don't want to deal with the emotional be, It doesn't have to be crazy. You're going to meet with a psychologist, you know, five or six times, and you get as real and open as you want to. But our psychologists are really good at attacking the issues that hold you back from being the way you want to be, feeling about yourself the way you want to feel about yourself, all of those kind of things. We're focusing on fitness and health and thereby everything else. And then if you want to work with a psychologist for the rest of the year, you certainly can, but we're not going to make you do anything crazy. But we are aware that you need to take a look at those issues, and we're going to help you do that. That's fantastic. Well, that sounds very exciting. exciting. Yeah. So you are definitely all over the place. You're doing a lot of really (laughs) great stuff. Um, And I'm just, I'm fascinated, like I said, by some of the, the things that you've done to really push yourself and it's very impressive and i think about you know what we talked earlier about what really holds people back and to me i i would agree with you that the most important part is just having really a clear vision of what you want to do and what that looks like i know that that seems to be an area that most people struggle in is really figuring that out and that's such a key component yeah, and I, I agree with you. Sometimes it makes sense to employ a coach, and that can look a variety of different ways. Maybe you get a business coach. I have a business coach. I love it. It really makes sense to you know check in with somebody, to hold yourself accountable to somebody, to get ideas from somebody you trust. So maybe it's a business coach. Maybe it's somebody in your industry who's where you want to be. Maybe it's a you know national personality that you like to listen to their podcasts or read their books. Maybe it's a personal trainer or nutritionist. But having at least one person that you can learn from, that you can aspire to be like, that you can bang ideas off of, that you can hold yourself accountable to, is really, really important. And I would highly recommend that in multiple areas of your life. There is no downside to that. Other than maybe sometimes they say things that are a little uncomfortable that make you take a look at yourself. 
But I would argue that's the whole point. So get over yourself and do it. Exactly. <laughs> so that's actually a good question. As we wrap this up, one of my uh, one of my favorite questions is, "What would you say to your younger you?" <laughs> what would I say to my younger you? I would say. And you aren't that old yet, so it's not. <laughs> that's a really good question that nobody's ever asked me. I am really big on no regrets. Although I do wish I had played high school football. But other than that, I, I really strongly believe that all of my mistakes, and I had a lot of them, and I'm still making mistakes, I learned from them and they shaped me into who I am now. And that will continue to happen. So I, I, I wouldn't want to keep myself from making any of those mistakes. I guess if I could talk to my 15-year-old self, I would say have fun, live in the moment, enjoy the process, Try to learn from all of your mistakes and just keep smiling. You know, life is too short to take it too seriously. Such great advice. So, Josh, thank you so much for being on the show today. It definitely was an enjoyable conversation. And we will for sure post all of the links so people can access information about you. And I'm going to see what I can do to get to that race on the 30th. And I'd love to come hear you speak. So I'm going to look on your site and see when your upcoming speaking events are. So thank you again for being on the show today. Awesome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. We'll have to do it again sometime. I would love to. I'll be a guest on your show sometime. Awesome. We'll make it happen. All right. You have a fabulous day. Thank you again. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.